Alright. <coughs> Assalamu alaikum. You're welcome to the Alim Night podcast brought to you by the 2019 cohort of the Alim program. My name is Ayatollah Muhammad, and you're here with me is Mr. Malcolm. Malcolm, salam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So, Malcolm is my classmate, of course, and this is a day before we our departure from Chicago, inshallah. He came all the way from San Diego, just as I came all the way from Houston, and we're both not residents here in Chicago. So, alhamdulillah, Malcolm is a very special uh, um, and distinct student among the members of the cohort. The cohort is a 60 large member tribe, basically, and it's very it's a very special thing for us because um, Malcolm is more or less a student, blossoming to become a scholar, and had just finished his time done before flying over to Chicago for the island program. So, mashallah, I will not stop. Uh, I will not continue further with the introduction. I'll let him continue with the introduction itself. So, Malcolm. Assalamualaikum. Introduction, brief, very brief introduction. Your names, your your identities, your your strengths. You understand, and then I'll move on to the next question, inshallah. Yeah, my name is uh, Malcolm Motaki. Most people just call me Brother Malcolm in the community. Um, currently, I work with a um, a nonprofit Islamic-based organization called Pillars of the Community where the goal is um, social justice, criminal justice reform. Um, you know, I do a lot of work with youth, troubled or so-called at-risk youth, um, which most of them are not necessarily at risk. They're just misguided. And, you know, the whole goal is to kind of bring a little bit more in this, in this dunya, a little bit more justice in the scale so that, inshallah, in the akhirah, I can have uh, equality on my scales. Mashallah. So, I mean, this is this is a vision in of itself. This is a vision towards a very formidable theology for yourself and for your community in of itself. And it leads me to asking about your experience in the last few years uh, before coming on to Alun. I know you just finished your time down. So, I mean, how long were you tested with this trial from God? And of course, your background of being Muslim. In the in such in such communities or in such struggle, and how did it how did we get here? Yeah, um, I grew up um, southeast San Diego area, uh, pretty much the same as any inner city region. Uh, drugs, gangs, pimps, prostitutes, uh, all these types of things. I went to prison at nineteen years old. I stayed in prison until I was thirty years old. That's after doing uh, almost uh, over a year in the juvenile system, um, straight from juvenile, actually school to the prison pipeline, straight from juvenile hall to the big houses, they call it. So I, I spent 10 years um, behind bars. It was it was bitter. But and I won't tell I wouldn't tell any um, too many of the kids this, but it was bittersweet in a way because it allowed me to reflect and really grasp the concept of what being a man is. Um, I have been home under a year now. Um, if you encounter the, the time that I was in a halfway house, it's been, it's been over a year. It's, I'm actually currently on parole as we speak, and I had to come out to Chicago with a traveler's pass. Um, this is something that's not strange. And even, you know, as Malcolm X said that, if you're black, you was born in jail in America. So so being on paperwork, being caught up in the system is something that's totally um, common to most of the people that I, I grew up with and call family and friends. But it also it also highlights the urgency to kind of um, figure out a way to systematically and collectively shake these shackles because it's, it's never it's never a good feeling for a grown man that has already paid his debt to society to ask another human being, is it okay if I go here? Wow, no. This has brought certain memories of some of the instances of uh, 
some of our lectures also and some of the comments, especially yesterday during the khutbah by um, um, Stars by the Live. And I mean, the idea of testing the ugly reality. Mm-hmm. You understand? Getting stuck in a in a traffic in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. You understand? And uh, how do you, how do you see that life in of itself when you look at it? I mean, you said it's, it was bittersweet. You understand? And I'm sure you're thinking from a system perspective. You understand? But as an individual itself, leading up to coming into Ireland, getting your expectations met, and of course, I know you've you're privileged to also have been a um, student of the Taiba Foundation. Yes. You understand? Yes. And of course, I believe by Sheikh Rami. Rami yes. has been yes. the, the mentor, the pioneer. Yes. How has all that maybe give us a test of how that feeling has been also? You know what I'm saying? I think that for me, I I kind of I kind of made up my mind early on that I wasn't going to allow myself to waste time. It was one thing to do time, but it was a whole nother thing to waste time. So early on in the time, I told myself that when I leave here, I'm going to have something to show, something to bring home besides muscles and tattoos. Within that situation, I kind of developed a mind frame where and alhamdulillah for, for it, that I learned how to appreciate the struggles. And what really brought me to that point was something very, very insignificant. I had, I had a pimple in my ear one time. And this one little pimple, it made it so difficult for me to sleep. I couldn't sleep on my right side. Even wanting to, wanting to fulfill the sunnah and, and lay down on my right side, I couldn't do that because of this one pimple. And I realized how something so small um, could affect humans so much. So so part of it was humbling to show us how weak we are. But another thing was that in my mind, I said that I'm going to be so grateful and so cognizant when this pimple busts about how beautiful it is just to be able to sleep on both sides if I want to, right? To have the option to turn this side and lay down and turn on that side and lay down. And within that whole little experience right there, it kind of with the whole with the whole situation as a whole it allowed me to it allowed me to realize that i have to be thankful for the struggles because if i didn't have the struggle i wouldn't be able to appreciate just be able to being able to lay on both sides of the bed or both sides um when i lay down now if you apply that to the bigger struggle at large in prison i was able to write four books to complete four books children books and one self-help book. I did studying with Taiba Foundation and, and may Allah preserve uh, Sheikh Rami and all of the people at Taiba Foundation for the for the work that they're doing. But more importantly than, 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 than all of that, more importantly than all of the history books and everything else I read, I learned how to make salah. <laughs> that's the most, that's the biggest thing for me, period. Just learning how to make wudu and pray to fulfill my obligations here on earth. That's worth 20 years if, if, it, if it takes that. It's nothing that I would want to do again, but when I come home and I look at people that are 30, 40, 50 years old and still in the same um, retarded, stunted state of growth that they were in before I left almost 11 years ago, it makes me realize the significance of the struggle and how, and how the traffic jam might have stopped me from a a head-on collision a little bit up the road. Um, mm. So it's clearly, you know, it's clear the qadr the, the of Allah. And it also allows us as men going through these struggles to kind of be the backbone when things start going crazy around us. I think everybody's everybody's entitled to a struggle and needs a struggle. And I think that Men of color and particularly, we have to go through these struggles because there's so much more stigmas and um, social degradation that comes along with our experience here in this country. Mm-hmm. You know, we can we can try to look and live in a, in a utopia world where we say that everything's fine. We reach this point to where um, th- there's equality for everybody. 
but the reality of it is, is that it's just not true. You know, there's areas that I can go to right now. And if I don't have on a thobe and a kufi, I have to worry about people who look like me wanting to kill me because I look like them. I have to worry about the police wanting to slam me on my face and profile me as a suspect because I'm wearing sports sports gear <laughs> because I want to be able to go um, run a few laps and I can't do that in the throw. So this is something that, you know, this is something I have to be cognizant of. And and it's hard even to explain. We can't we can't truly express this to, even to some of our classmates if they haven't had this experience. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's one thing to to tell them about it, but there's still a mind frame with all the social social media posts, with all the incidents of police brutality. There's still a mind frame amongst the American public that exists that says, well, I still think you guys might be over exaggerating a little bit, hmm. you know? um, which it seems to defy pure evidence. But, you know, some people prefer to be in denial. Yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a public bias. It's, a, it's a definitely in of itself. It's a, it's a bias that's part of the fabric of the American community, unfortunately. And it leads me to uh, a couple of more questions, definitely, but I think at this point in time, it will be necessary to just segue into the discussion on uh, Alim. Of course, your experience with your experience with um, the scholars who had almost had maybe similar experiences with you, basically as a as a as a as part of the American struggle, time on time on immemorial since inception, and how. You've seen the program entirely. What, what were your expectations when you came to Ireland, firstly? And uh, the first couple of weeks, going through the Syrah class, the purification class, the class with Imam Munir, who was um, an, an, um, an anti-apartheid um, activist you know, himself. And how has it been generally? I mean, I, I honestly, I didn't know what to expect coming into yeah. the program. Yeah. Because I... Because I was referred to the program by uh, a brother that is is the director of the organization that I work with. Hmm. And, you know, he himself has has studied overseas, okay. studied in um, Surya um, mm -hmm. and been to a few places and actually took the time to, to go on the path of a law to seek knowledge. Hmm. Um, so he actually referred me and said, hey, you should do this. Hmm. And part of it was for personal edification, of course, Dean. Mm -hmm. Part of it was also for networking because, mm -hmm. because he also is, is, is very aware of the need for Muslims to get involved in the bar students' perspective of what Islam is. You have people that, based on their ethnicity, they believe they may have a, a stronger claim or an inherent... Um, Superiority, I mean, quite frankly, over the understanding of Islam based on their ethnicity, their ethnic identity, mm. because they grew up speaking Arabic, that somehow they're supposed to understand Islam and the basic concept of la ilaha illallah better than somebody that, that doesn't speak Arabic, that their history in Islam is more deeply rooted than somebody that looks like what you would call uh a Negroid or a black person somehow, you know, that that because their great, 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 great grandpa in an unbroken succession have been practicing Islam, that this means that somehow, you know, their their practice and understanding of Islam is going to be higher than the next person. So what, what some of these scholars have done, uh, it, even almost subliminally on some levels, was shatter that whole idea to say no. That's not that's not the case, which is, you know, alhamdulillah, that, that, that was a beautiful thing. Um, also, it's, it's not it, the, one of the unique things about it is that where most programs, where most programs would just give you the information and give you the facts and say, this is what it is. This is what we believe as Muslims. And if you don't believe this, you're not Muslim, which there's there's. Uh, an importance in that. Yeah. There's an importance in that approach. Absolutely, yeah. 
But this one kind of forced people to think critically and say, well, what do Muslims believe? Okay, well, well am I really a Muslim or am I really as much mus- as Muslim as I thought I was? Which is good, which is a good approach um, in critical thinking. However, I personally, you know, in my own, um, for the future cohorts, I do, I do want there to, would, would like there to be a little bit more emphasis on basic beliefs of the Muslims. Mm. What constitutes Islam and what, what would totally remove you from Islam? Because I think it's assumed that the general Muslims in here would know that. Mm-hmm. But what a lot of Muslims do is that because most of the students in here grew up Muslim, we go from preschool to middle school and miss that kindergarten area where you can ask a Muslim right now that's been Muslim for 25 years or 22 years, grew up Muslim, where is Allah? And they'll say he's everywhere because they didn't go over that basic, yeah. that basic yeah, element fundamentals, of yeah. what's, yeah, yeah, what's yeah, the, the fundamentals, fundamentals of yeah. Tawheed and, and what's the fundamental creed of the, of the Muslims? Yeah. And what are the things that would remove you from Islam? Mm-hmm. And what would make you an anthropomorphic and an anthro, you know, uh, somebody that 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 attributes human qualities to Allah? What would you know? So, so I think this is something that is important. Um, But Alhamdulillah, we did scratch the surface on that. Yes, sir. One other thing that I appreciate about a lot of these scholars is that they don't equate emulation of Europeans with intellect. You have somebody like Dr. Jackson that he can tell you, he can throw out a $20 word if he wanted to, and he might from time to time, but he'll also throw out some some old Philly slang just to show you that <laughs> imitation of a white person doesn't mean uh, intellect Erudition. or education. Yeah, yeah exactly. You yeah. Know. So alhamdulillah, that, that's a, a good um, a good representation that I think students need you know, of people that are, are, are from different ethnic backgrounds. It's an interesting one. It's an interesting one. I mean, I have a barrage of questions flying on my head, basically, and we're about to hit the overtime uh, mark. So, but I think I'll just go into a segue to 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 discuss what does it take, what where 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 are we heading from now on after Ali? Uh, what 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 were ideas afterwards? I mean, this is what what were ideas afterwards? How do we? How do you think of moving forward with this? How do you think of moving forward with this? And in addition to that, also maybe summarize your your engagement with the students in terms of. I mean, you've you've delved on that yeah. clearly a little bit, but in terms of the mind, the prospects, the mindset, and also how do we strengthen ourselves as a cohort, as a cohort? So that's too much, but yeah, yeah, more yeah. basically, you begin with how how you're moving forward with this, how it has impacted your thinking in terms of your visionary plans and what we have. For me, it, on an individual level, it makes me want to um, be be more involved, um, to, to be more active with the work and also to, to be there as a noticeable, unmistakable Muslim one of the things that is keeping some of these um, fringe groups alive and keeping their numbers at a certain level is because they're there. When something happens, they show up and the Muslims are totally absent. And the Muslims that do show up, some of whom are just, just frankly, just opportunists. So they come around they're, they're They're just like some of these other groups that only show up when cameras are around. You know, and, and so they're the they're the Muslim mascots, but they'll show up to anything because it's not based on morals. It's based on publicity and, and identity. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. You know, uh, allyship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, this is and, and acceptance and, 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 the want, and the need to assimilate. Yeah. You know, and so this this is what we're dealing with um, as far as, you know, being on the ground where, where people are actually um in a situation where they need help and there's nobody else there and there's no cameras around, this is where the Muslims are, are totally lacking. So for me, it makes me just want to be there. 
and to make sure that um, I, I put a, a little bit more emphasis on my work um, be, so I can make sure that before I leave this planet that I did, did my job, you know, to contribute, that I left some sadaqah jariyah, you know, um, while I was here. Um, for the, the, the cohort at, at large, I think for me, one of the biggest things is for us to be able to have a, a line of um, contact so we can, whenever we cross intersecting into each other's territory, we can have Muslims that we can say, hey, I'm in this city, even if it's just on a basic um, conversation level. But also what I would like to see is I would like to see Muslims being involved. And that doesn't mean that you have to be at a rally or a protest. That can be something as simple as, as going to a poor neighborhood and handing out some oranges and apples as a Muslim. This is huge, you know what I'm saying? This is huge dawah. Just 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 being there for people that are, are in need of assistance. You know, I want to see Muslims taking a um taking a, an active role. If there's some type of legislation, you have the right to vote. I'm not gonna tell you that this is bid'ah, this is kufr. No. If you have a, the, the the ability because of your citizenship to pass something that's gonna help people, then get involved in that. You know what I'm saying? There's so many different ways on a on a basic level. If you're a teacher, if you spend some time after school and tutoring kids with a hijab or a kufi on so the kids can see, oh, what you tell me about Islam is false. My teacher was Muslim and they always helped me. They went above and beyond. To, this is this is this is this is what we need to be doing as Muslims. Um, this is what I would like to see the students do. And as far as my personal interaction with with the students. I want to stay in contact because I'm always going to need Muslims to be there and different things that I'm pushing for mm. because I'm I'm. I'm going to different parts of the country and, and involved in different things that affect us on a national level and sometimes on a state level. And I need to be able to call brothers and sisters and say, hey, would you stand with me on this issue? Um, because it's important. And I need some Muslims to say, OK, you know what? I know that you're not on no foolishness. Come on, let's go. Inshallah. All Inshallah. Right. This is a this has been a wonderful first half, I'll call it. Yeah, I mean, we we, we could spend a lot of time on expanding on these issues themselves, but Alhamdulillah, we we have achieved something in three weeks. Three weeks is a is a mental test. It's a test of strength. It's a test of beyond our beyond some of our 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 tolerance limits. And Alhamdulillah, we've been successful by the grace of God. I just want to remind um, our listeners that. This was a podcast brought to you by the 2019 Alim cohort representing you is Ayatollah Muhammad. And we hope you've enjoyed this. We hope you've benefited from this. And may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make us successful in our endeavors. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. All right, Salaam Alaikum. You're welcome to the Alimni Overtime. Brought to you by the Alim the Alimni twenty nineteen cohort. And here with you is Ayatullah Muhammad and Malcolm Muttaqi. Uh Salaam Alaikum Malcolm. Wa alaikum salam. We're continuing a little bit extra time uh, to discuss some of the things we couldn't cover. Uh, so I'm going to begin foremost by um, asking or inquiring about inquiring about the Muhammad Ali question, as I've termed it, based on our interactions in class. What does it mean to have an American Muslim identity in this era? Uh, I know there's a lot of politics that has been, I mean, um, expansionated upon this topic way going back to the 60s in terms of the civil rights movement, different Muslims having a perspective. Malcolm X had his perspective. Uh, of course, before then, he had a perspective as an NY member. Uh, um, Imam W.D. Muhammad also had his perspective, you understand. And I mean, even the immigrant community, for the most of it, as they came in, also had their own perspectives varying across whether it's been uh, 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 Mediterranean, um, or rather, uh, an Eastern Arab or a North African Arab, basically, uh, different perspectives we've had on this issue. And it, but being an, an African American born, 
the psyche is always going to be different from everyone else. Right. But also the Muslim contingent to that plays a very heavy role to that. And so you're thinking Muhammad Ali, and that's why bringing out Muhammad Ali as an example in class, not necessarily as an example, but at the end of the day, boiling down to the fact that he was a consensus at the end of his life on what it meant to fit into that Muslim Americanness or an American Muslimness. So what does it having that identity come with? You understand the character, the, the characteristic, what is the ideal moving forward as we've based on what maybe we've heard in class and how you feel yeah. moving forward here. Okay. I think that, uh, so they have, they have, uh, something like a, a little bit of a joke, I guess that I've heard before. They say that, that, when you see a person, when you see a Muslim with the buttons of his thobe on one side of the thobe, like on the right side or whatever, mm -hmm. then you know that this is uh, probably an Afghani Muslim with a Af the Afghani style with the woolen cap. Mm -hmm. You know, if you see somebody with a, a blue turban wrapped around his head with the with the neck covered up and the mouth covered up, you know that he's probably a, a Tareg, a, a Muslim from from Mali. You know, um, certain identities, you can just tell that, OK, this Muslim is from these places. And when you see a person with um, an Emirates scarf on his head with a, 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 a Mauritanian style throw with a pair of Air Jordans on with a, a Afghani style kufi, then you know this is an American Muslim. <laughs> he kind of just puts a little bit of everything together, you know, and tries to make it work. <laughs> I think... I think part of this is because as as American Muslims, you know, uh, we have still yet to fully I um fully find our niche within Islam, so to speak. We don't have an identifiably Muslim culture in America, you know, not just amongst African Americans, but even people that that or maybe Hispanic American or even Native Americans that embrace Islam. We've yet to we've yet to actually build a a noticeable culture that this is the American Muslim culture and where people can from all around the world can say we can go to America and we can go get Dean out there. Right? This is what I would like to see. Um with that being said, we've had some we've had some great contributions um to to the Muslims at large, we've had some great contributions, as you mentioned, Muhammad Ali, Malcolm X, and many other and many other Muslims. Um, I'm thoroughly convinced that Islam is the cure, the solution to all of the problems that ail Black America. I'm firmly convinced, from the gang violence to the self hatred to you name it. I actually, I actually have a goal to write a book about this. I call it the N-word and other black plays with Islamic cures. You know, I've started it, but I haven't finished. That Islam is the solution for the ills of the black community. And by extension, if it's the cure for black America, then it's the cure for the rest of America as well. One of the reasons is because black culture in America... Partially because it's just very, um, it's very soulful, but also partially because we live in a world where it was just African-Americans for the most part and whites and the rest, you know, Native Americans and, and things like this. And when you put African-American slave culture neck and neck to a white European uh, aristocracy culture... One just look well, looks bland and one looks so much co more colorful and soulful. So because of this and because we live in a capitalist country, um, the people in charge have found a way to market black culture to everywhere in the world. I've met people from Kenya who said the first tape they ever listened to was Tupac. You know, I met people from Japan that's, you know, people that grew up listening to rap. What I what I like to tell a lot of young people is that if we look at the world the world stage and we see how influential African American culture is around the world, imagine if we took that same influence and we embraced Islam and we used that influence to propagate our kind of contribution to Islam around the world. Imagine how far and how influential that could be. Absolutely. 
you know so this is this is this is something that's a major problem because a lot of the world is looking at what's coming out of America next what new album is coming out of America what new movie is coming out what new fashion what new st what new style is coming out of America and they're looking to that particularly to the African American crowd looking at as trendsetters for what's fashionable what's trendy and they're looking at this group for inspiration we need to figure a way as Muslims this is why we really need to concentrate on this group of people because if you have one, 10 or 100 people that are become influencers but they're Muslim imagine that same person that didn't speak a lick of English in Tokyo but knew the whole 50 Cent or Lil Wayne song imagine how many hafiz of Qurans we might have that mm -hmm. you can keep parts of your culture that are good if you want to wear Jordans you can still wear Jordans mm -hmm. if you want to if you, you know what I'm saying if you want to wear Air Forces that's okay mm -hmm. But imagine you take that same influence as a Muslim, how much of an impact you can have around the world, you know. Mm -hmm. So for for the Muslims at whole, it's, it's it, it would behoove us to to look at this demographic of people because worldwide, as far as culture has been concerned, and even emulation, this has been the most emulated group in this day because hip hop has become the most popular form of music mm -hmm. in the world, and now people are only emulating hip hop culture. Can you imagine, yeah. The worst stereotypes of black culture. Mm -hmm. It's not new. Blues, jazz, all this stuff spread. Mm -hmm. But they're only taking the the entertainment element. The element, yeah. You know, the dress, the style. Mm -hmm. But they're not they're not promoting anything that's good. Their aesthetics in terms of value, consciousness, and um, I mean, basically, yeah, basically things. Uh, there's no mainstreaming of the consciousness element of hip hop in terms of its relevance to people's life. And even creating a functional theology, and uh, what what you're trying to also say is basically a summary of his classes when the the prophet actually made uh, Islam authentically <laughs> Arabic and relatable to the Bedouin tribes all around it. So the moment he left um, Mecca, especially, he made it relatable, authentically Arab. That's what you're trying to see. And yes. I mean, just as hip hop here is authentically black. It's mainstream out there. And at the same time, I mean, borrowing from Imam Munir's class also, he was saying that assim cultural assimilation is a norm in of itself. Yes. So even when you receive a culture, you understand, you you adjust it and to fit the temperaments of the society. You understand? So even when you're bringing in Arab Islam or something called Arab, firstly, there's an element of definitely Arab um, Arabness embedded in, within Islam, but it's not the be-all, end-all. Right. You have to receive it to your subconscious and of course make it relatable to your community that's what you're trying to say yeah absolutely yeah and this was one of the brilliant genius things about the yeah. shehu uh uthman dan um fodio yes sir is that he told his people that you know if something is is a fulani style or whatever the case may be mm -hmm. you don't have to get rid of that if it's khair mm -hmm. if it's good you keep that mm -hmm. if you wear your your hat a certain type of way and you like that hat mm -hmm. It's still sooner. You're still you're still covering your head when you make salat. Mm -hmm. You don't have to you don't have to wear this turban exactly mm -hmm. the same way that the Sahabas wore the turban. You can mm -hmm. keep parts of your culture that are good. Mm -hmm. Islam came to perfect good character. We reform the things that are not good. Mm -hmm. You know the whole baby mama baby daddy culture. You know this can be mm -hmm. reformed. Yes, you know the, the 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 promotion of of drugs. You know the promotion of of so called Mac culture of a man laying down and letting the woman get all the money and give him the money these are bad things that can be eliminated mm -hmm. but you know if if, if, if you want to wear some 501s you know with the thobe or something that's fine but this is one of the things that that one of the lies that has been told to us is that if you embrace islam you have to somehow you have to imitate a, a arab mm -hmm. you know and a lot of these afrocentrists you know they went took that and ran with it yeah they took it around with. So part of it is, is is the education is to let people know, no, Islam is your thing. Mm -hmm. It's your thing. It's just been hidden from you for so many years. But this is yours. This is your heritage. This is your legacy. Mm -hmm. And even if a person comes from the tribes of, of animists down the line, mm -hmm. and their African roots go to people that were upon shirk, mm -hmm. Islam is still their thing because this is something that's for humanity. And um, this is something that we need to really... We really need to be promoting because we, you would be surprised how many people in America have never even heard of Islam. 
let's even um, go directly to examples. I mean, of how we went on the trip to the Massachusetts. We went to South South Chicago on the first day. We saw the uh, Malian immigrant community and their function, their attempt to be functionally relevant in the South Side Chicago, despite the art, despite everything changing Massachusetts. Do you understand? How do you see? I mean, that's not something that you're not familiar with. How do you see yourself? I mean, moving forward in terms of your visions, your plans. You understand? I mean, just briefly, not necessarily trying to be overly um, asking you to relate too much. But how do you just see yourself working in that? I means in terms of taking that cultural element, putting uh, an E and O that defines you. You get to define it rather than the media defining that for you, rather than the state defining that to you about your own mission as a Muslim and as an African-American basically struggling. Yeah. yeah. I think the, 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 the prophet yeah. and the, you know, the best example, yeah. he, he, he says something to the effect of that was first change yourself, mm -hmm. then change your family, mm -hmm. then change your community. Mm -hmm. So for, for me, what I would like to see and one of my goals and my dreams is to to make the community that I grew up in, mm -hmm. the block that I grew up on, um, selling drugs and running from the police, to turn that into a Muslim community, to turn that into a Muslim neighborhood, to buy the liquor store and turn it into a halal grocery store, mm -hmm. to buy the 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 local um, the local bakery or the local mechanic shop turn it into a masjid and open up businesses and rent houses to Muslims and build a masjid where where we can see this small little section become more and more and more Islamicized, if mm. you know, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. I don't need to be thinking too much about problems to world, uh, the solutions to world problems mm -hmm. if my own backyard is full of people who have never even heard of Islam. Absolutely. So this is this is my focus now is that mm -hmm. some of the neighborhoods that are underserved not mm -hmm. only with with financial resources mm -hmm. but they're underserved with dawa mm -hmm. they're underserved with 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 the calling to islam mm -hmm. to the basic calling to the idea that there's only one god mm -hmm. this is where we need to where we need to start on because I ran into people personally mm -hmm. the concept and the idea that Jesus was not almighty god and that he actually prayed to god and that we should be praying to the same God he prayed to instead mm -hmm. of praying to him. Mm -hmm. I've met people who this concept has never even been presented to them. Mm -hmm. They've never even heard this concept. Mm -hmm. For 15, 20 years, only thing that they know of is that Jesus is their Lord and Savior. This is... I mean, this should also lead to... You, I mean, in the last final minutes of our discussion, which lead to you discussing about the relevance of your own brothers in the community who have definitely disappointed you for a while. But I mean, I mean, this is part of what the rejuvenation should be about. In our last final effort in time to make Islam relevant to a rapidly left-leaning community, and we're talking about, I mean, your involvement in the criminal justice reforms how you've been trapped in the system, I mean, sustained them, charter slavery, uh, the, and I mean, the apathy, apathy towards it from segments of the Muslim community, if not by and large it. I mean, uh, there's something that um, Dr. Sherman Jackson said in class that um, apathy born out of irrelevance or irrelevance born out of apathy is worse than persecution when you look at it. And that's exactly, persecution here is fitna. When he goes back to say, well, fitna to ashadu min al-qatl, in, in uh, quoting the Quran, and so I mean I know you have a lot to say. I'll just let you go through it and relate your experiences in terms of and what you feel. Just not necessarily going about solutions because we Muslims know the solutions. It's not that we don't know the solutions. It's just about the willpower, to the best of my knowledge. Yeah. So I mean there will be efforts on up upliftment in your community and maybe also praise some of the insights you've seen around that shows that there are potentials. That we can walk out and leverage upon, basically. Okay, that that's a lot. That's a lot right there. But yeah, I try to yeah. I try to go through do do yeah. all of that. Yeah. So the first thing is that you know, as you mentioned, is mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. mass incarceration 
it is chattel slavery. And anybody that's, um, I'm not going to go into the whole explanation of why and how it's chattel slavery. Um, all you have to do is just, if you, if you want to know, just watch 13th by Ava DuVernay, read the new Jim Crow. These are just basic things yeah. that will allow you to scratch the surface. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't have to, you know, I can go into a deeper explanation, but that's not necessary. If, if a person doesn't um, believe that it's shadow slavery, they're just in denial and delusional anyways. Um, <clears throat> according to the last estimates that I read, almost half of the prison population is African-American. Almost half. This is a population that makes up only 12%, as they say, of the, the national American population. population yeah. the crime rates are almost equal. You know, it's just that certain these communities are being criminalized. This is, this is clear. Okay. According to the last numbers that I read, 55% of the people that are convert to Islam in America are African American. This is more than half. Mm -hmm. In prison, huge numbers of Muslims, of people are becoming Muslim in prison. Huge numbers. And some of the ones that were already Muslim when they when they when they were kids because their dad was a Muslim or whatever, they're actually becoming functional Muslims. Mm -hmm. I've seen so many people that became Muslim that just want to go home and be connected to a, a Muslim community that have written letters to Muslims and have never gotten responses. Mm -hmm. So many brothers that have written um, letters that have been unanswered by Muslims, by Muslims on the streets. That just didn't take the time to put a little letter, to put a stamp on the envelope and put a letter in the mail. For other communities, there's a stigma about these, about these people that are incarcerated. We fail to realize that some of the greatest imams in, in Islamic history were, in, were in, in, imprisoned. Ahmed ibn Hanbar, Abu Hanifa, Imam Malik. All of these, all of these great men have been prisoners. How, how do we somehow, we practice these methahibs and we put these these um, shuyuch and these imams on a pedestal, but the person that's, that's incarcerated in our day and age, somehow we look at them as if they're scum of the earth. I met some of the most pious Muslims that I have ever met in prison, you know, that they pray to hajjud every night. Of course, this is, this is not a big feat. You won't hear a cuss word slip out of their mouth. These brothers are, you know, subhanAllah, it's, it's amazing. Now, 55% of the people that convert are Muslim, and, and, and half of the prison population are African American. We would think that it would be in our best interest to cultivate these individuals so we can start building leaders to come home to be leaders and to be pioneers and to be pillars of our communities. But this is a whole demographic that is just being left alone and left to rot, you know. So this is why the people that are pushing for these individuals, I love and respect them so much. You know, because I could have I could have been left to my own devices in prison would have came out ignorant, not knowing how to actually practice Islam. Um, so this is this is this is hugely important. Um, as far as initiatives that I've seen, to be honest with you, in my city, as far as the Muslims are concerned. Generally, nationwide, not necessarily nationwide. I mean, and yeah, I mean, it's 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 not something to write home about, no doubt about. It. And I speak for myself also. I'm I'm guilty in in terms of um, being um, active in it. But I do believe that we should have a stepping stone from somewhere, and much more. We should contribute, not necessarily by having to experience it yourself. But I mean, there are a lot of brothers who are functioning like you guys who we just need to support, give them the extra mile, you understand? Even if it's donating charity to even Taiwa Foundation, it counts. You don't have to actively go down there and give the dollar, you yeah. understand? So, yeah. visa, visa. Everybody has a part to play. Yeah. Everybody's not going to be uh, boots on the ground, on the front line, marching and, and putting in the work. But you have plenty of people who who get into the field of engineering, coding, uh, things like this, and get good money. Maybe doing what I'm doing, I may never make a lot of money. You know, in, in, in the schools, when I'm working in the schools with the kids, I get paid almost nothing. I don't do it because of the money. I do it because, because I actually genuinely love the work. Um, because those kids are me. You know what I'm saying? They're coming from juvenile hall, group homes. And I never had not one single person, no adult, no man giving me practical advice when I was a kid. Not one. Not one. And you have so many people growing up without a father 
and there's nobody giving them advice. So, so some people that that are getting these big salaries, look, if you don't want to be, if you don't want to push and be on the ground, just give the money. That's 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 feasibility law. That's just as much feasibility law as the person that's actually doing the work. So when these people find these groups like Iman, like Pillars of the Community, like Alam, like Taiba, if you can't actually do the work, give the money to these people and, and trust that they're going to be doing the work. You know, this is what this is what people need to do that have the means, um, because as a whole, the Muslims in America, we're too busy, we're too busy trying to be accepted. And following instead of actually doing things that are actually going to be um, practical and actually beneficial to us as a whole. Um, I think we're looking for direction out of these groups in Saudi and, and these different jamaats in these different places. And we're not doing anything here to deal with the realities of our situation here. And we have too many people that take, take extremes, right? Islam is a, is a, is a, is a religion of, of the middle path, of the middle course. We have these people that either they're, they'll tell you that anything that has to do with political engagement is bid'ah and it's kufr. And then you have people that are so intertwined into the two-party system that they're worse than the, they're worse than the most liberal Democrat or, or worse than the most conservative Republican because they want to be accepted by these two-party blue and red uh, individuals who don't care nothing about Islam and will snatch the hijab off of your head and to give you a hug and grab on your backside just to show you that they disrespect Islam, to make a mockery out of you on, in public, to belittle the whole deen, right? So, so this is not realistic. You can't be here under a contract under some type of uh, citizenship, living here, paying taxes to the government, and then you say political engagement is kufr. He's giving your money to the same people that's using, utilizing it to 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 to, to enact politics, mm -hmm. and then you you can't take these people that are so intertwined in the system and to fight so closely with them to say, well, these are Democrats, so I rock with them, right or or right or wrong, I'm gonna just keep rolling with them, and fail to realize the history. Just a hundred years ago, the, the Democratic Party was ran by the Ku Klux Klan. So, so as Muslims, we need to find that middle path to say, okay. And, 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 and Umar Suleiman, alhamdulillah, he, he, he spoke about this to an extent. People might not agree with some of the stuff he does, you know what I'm saying? I'm not going to take an opinion or say so on it because these are scholars, you know what I'm saying? They make decisions that they, that they, that they make based on their, their, their circumstances. I'm not in a position to really criticize or critique who does what with what individuals. Some people I won't stand arm in arm with, but alhamdulillah. But he made a point that when you align with individuals, you don't align with the per align with the peoples. You align on issues. This is huge right here for for Muslims to understand mm -hmm. that that sometimes we align with people based on the specific issue and not on. Anything else they have going on. When I took my position, I told people straight up, I'm not going to be marching down the street in a pride parade. I'm not going to give credibility to that movement. You know, just like just like I wouldn't be in a picture with, uh, well, <laughs> I'm not going to. I'm not. So, but we get the point in terms of yeah, their principles. Principles are first principles are first principles, including for Muslims, and that's something that's very very watery on our path and i think i mean i'll we'll end with the this final question on the influence of the culture in of itself you understand the culture of um which is left uh, modern liberalism basically and i mean you've tested kufur once in your lifetime and we all were we're moving into a segue whereby well it's a it's a kind of unrelatable kufur that is manifesting not just in the minds of i mean uh, the the global population, but I mean, in in of itself, our own Muslim minds, and it's something that baffles you. I'm sure when you see our communities, where we all came in here with some sort of baggage, a lot of doubts, yes, not yes. not conscious disbelief, but doubts that can wreck people's face. And of course, we don't need to beat upon the fact that you've spoken that we need to go back to the basics. You understand? Yes. But just give your your final words on it in terms of a reminder for myself and those of us who were maybe even born Muslims for yeah. the most of them, yeah. 
this yeah. this what I've been I've been to a lot of the students that I've been able to sit with on a one on one basis yeah, and yeah. talk to. Yeah. I, I I try to drive this point home. I've been in a, in a, in, a, in a, I've been in a lifestyle that I did not have Islam, and I can look back on that time and I can see how empty my life was. Mm -hmm. I told my own mother I felt like I was bamboozled growing up because nobody taught me Islam. Nobody taught me my, my purpose here on life, to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. I told I felt like I was ripped off because my life was totally void. My life was make money, chase women, chase parties, get high. That's life. Get material things. Nothing. Foam. It looked like something, but it was foam. The Muslims have to value their Islam. And, and as one of the scholars, I forget which one, said that you have to, you have to hate the idea of leaving Islam more than you would hate the idea of being thrown into the fire of hell, into Jahannam. You have to hate it that much and realize how much of a blessings and a barakah your parents gave you by giving you Islam. Because, because this, this is the whole purpose of living here. Your life has no value without Islam. And I would hate to see a person that have to experience that because... It, Life is totally empty without it. But I say that to say that you have to value Islam to the point to where you hold on to it with your molar teeth and never let it go. Mm -hmm. And don't let these ideals of liberalism and, 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 and integration and all these other things, don't let that allow you to give up, give up your Islam and have the shell of Islam. Mm -hmm. You have people now that Islam is on them but not in them. Mm -hmm. And this is this is this is the problem right now that we think we're holding on to Islam because we have hijabs, kufis, and beards, mm -hmm. but we'll give it up to the ideal to the ideal that that another way is better than the way of our Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And they forget that this is kufr as well. To prefer a way and to think a way as better than the way of our prophetic example. This in itself is kufr. So this is something that we need to very, very, um, we need to be cognizant of. We tread the, the, the areas that we don't have an example for, and we use our, our ijtihad of our scholars, of our rightly guided ulama that follow the sunnah. But if there's an example there that, that is there for us to follow, we follow that. Jazakallah khair. Brother Malcolm, I think you said it all. I don't need to add a word on it. I can only pray that God gives us... Um, um, keeps us on the path of belief and that we die on the path of belief and we all become family once more again yeah. in Jannah, inshallah. Yeah. I mean, your experiences are valid. I, I myself have felt in communicado myself, I mean, seeing the system and I mean, establishing myself in an American soil actually hit my fate yeah. to understand yeah. the the consequences of what belief was worth yeah. for outside my furniture. But alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, it's been nice talking to you. To our um, viewers and listeners on the Alimni podcast, these are testimonials from students, and inshallah, we hope to be expanding into um, the, the, the alumni family, basically nationally. If God benefits us, we pray for your du'as and pray for your strength and continue to aid us to, that we can be able to do this for ourselves, for our community, and for our children tomorrow. I remain your honest and humble servant Ayatollah Muhammad Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh